Hello friends, I'm glad you're with us today. Thanks for joining us. My name is Eugene, and today I wanna to talk about a conversation that took place many years ago on a boat during a storm. But first, I wanna tell you about a more recent story. A few years ago, my family was at the beach, and my youngest son, Max, was maybe three or four years old, and he wasn't quite big enough to go into the water by himself. So I did what most dads would do. I picked him up and took him into my arms and brought him into the water with me. And I was holding him as we were wading out into the ocean, and I was just gonna hold him with me as we jumped through the waves and kind of bobbed up and down in the water. It was a good idea at the moment, but it was poorly planned. I hadn't been paying attention to how big the waves actually were. I mean, way back from the shore, the waves didn't look that big. But when we were in the water, up close, they were way over my head. Have you ever been caught off guard? Surprised by something you didn't see coming? What do you do when you're in over your head? What do you do when you feel overwhelmed? When you feel like you're about to be knocked off your feet? That day when I was at the beach in the ocean with Max, I realized a huge wave was swelling up and I wasn't ready for it. But I had to make a decision and I had to act fast. My first thought was to run and get back to shore, to get back to safety. Uh, but if you've ever been in the ocean, you know it's practically impossible to outrun a wave. I mean, it's literally impossible to run in the water. I knew if I tried to outrun the wave, it was just going to crash over me and Max and we would get pulled underwater and get tossed around and we'd get pulled apart and I'd have to come up after the wave passed by and try to find him somewhere in the undertow. And for a split second, as I pictured that scenario, I was afraid. The other option was to lean into the wave, to hold him tight, to tell him to hold his breath, cover his nose and his mouth, and duck into the wave before it crashed over us. If we did that, we wouldn't be hit by the crashing wave. Instead, we'd bow into it and come out safe on the other side. And most importantly, I'd still be holding on to him, protecting him. Wanna guess what I did? Well, I didn't run. I knew I had no chance to outrun the wave. So I held Max close to me and ducked into the wave and we came out together on the other side. And then we immediately proceeded to get out of the ocean. Sometimes the situations we're in don't always go the way we want. Sometimes we get knocked off our feet and get wiped out. Life is not always easy, and sometimes the waves of life come crashing down upon us when we least expect them. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus and his disciples were crossing a body of water called the Sea of Galilee. Now, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's actually a large freshwater lake in Israel. It's the largest body of water in that area. It's about 13 miles long, and at the widest part of the lake, it's about nine miles wide, so it's a pretty big lake. And somewhere on their journey across the Sea of Galilee, a terrible storm came out of nowhere and hit them hard. Uh, Mark tells us in chapter four, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. When the wind died down and it was completely calm, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What you have to remember about this story is some of the disciples were fishermen by trade. They lived on the lake. They fished their whole lives, and they knew how to navigate rough waters. It was a very familiar place for them, and they were never, ever concerned for their safety whenever they were on the water. But Mark tells us that a furious squall came up out of nowhere, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. They were caught off guard totally overwhelmed, and they began to fear for their lives. Imagine this scene. Experienced fishermen, totally frustrated, screaming at Jesus in the middle of the storm. The shore was too far away. There was no turning back. The waves were rising too quickly. Water was filling their boat faster than they could drain it. They were experienced enough to know they were in over their heads. What's fascinating is the conversation that took place in this moment. As we look at the dialogue that took place between Jesus and his disciples, I want to look specifically at the questions that are exchanged in this scene. If if you were keeping count, there were actually four questions that were asked, two by the disciples and two by Jesus. And the questions that the disciples ask might be the very same questions we've all asked before, or maybe the same questions we're asking right now. The first question from the disciples in this story is this, teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is a question of sheer desperation. The disciples are losing hope and they're losing it fast. But the reason why they asked this particular question was because of what Jesus was doing at that exact moment. Uh, Mark tells us in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples were in a panic in the middle of the night on the Sea of Galilee in a devastating storm, and they, and they looked to their leader who's sound asleep. I mean, he's the one who led them into this situation, but now he's sleeping on a cushion. And their first thoughts are, is he aware of the situation we're in? Does he sense any danger? Does he not know what we're going through right now, that we might die tonight? You know the expression, how can you sleep at night? It's a rhetorical question. That means, don't you feel any guilt for what you've done? Do you feel any remorse? Don't you care? When Esther and I first got married, we'd get into arguments and even if the argument was later in the day or at night, I'd actually have no time, no, no trouble going to bed and falling asleep. And this would drive her crazy. Uh, she thought, clearly, this guy doesn't care that my feelings have been hurt. He must not love me. I mean, how can he just fall asleep and go to bed like nothing happened? And after 18 years of marriage, 
and plenty of subsequent fights. She knows that I love her, and I know that she loves me. And she has learned that I have this uncanny ability to fall asleep quickly every night, no matter what's on my mind. It doesn't mean I don't care. It just means I'm tired. But back to the story in Mark, this is a profound question. And maybe you've asked it before or you're asking it right now. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about what's going on in my life? Don't you care about my health or my job or my marriage, my family or my church? You know, we're afraid. We're not sure if we're going to make it. Jesus, don't you care about any of this? And then Jesus in typical fashion, answers their question with his own question. He says, why are you so afraid? The first question is an obvious one. The disciples are in danger. They're in a storm and they're afraid of dying and they want to know why Jesus is asleep and why he appears to not care about what's happening. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking when Jesus asked them why they were afraid? What do you mean? What do you mean, why are we afraid? We're afraid of death and dying. We're afraid of the storm. We're afraid of drowning. We're afraid that you don't care. We're afraid that you don't love us and you're leading us to our demise. And remember how they responded when Jesus calmed the storm? Mark tells us that their response was they were terrified. Terrified of what? Well, they were terrified that Jesus had more power than the storm, that Jesus had authority over the forces of nature. At first, they were afraid of the storm, but then they were even more afraid of Jesus. I heard someone say recently that faith and fear are two sides of the same coin. If that's true, we can either have faith or fear in the powerful effects of the storms we're in, or we can have faith or fear in the one who can calm the storms we're going through. Which leads to the third question. Jesus asks his disciples, do you still have no faith? In Luke's gospel, the same question is recorded as, where is your faith? And and this translation helps us understand that they didn't lack faith, but that they had placed their faith in something else or somewhere else. And this is a crucial question when we're facing storms. Where is your faith? What are you trusting in right now? Where have you placed your confidence? The answer to this question can make all the difference in how we navigate the storms of life, how we face uncertainty, how we deal with our fears. Sometimes we can put our faith in people or a person But what happens if that person lets us down? Sometimes the storms we experience are caused precisely because we put our faith in someone else and then they disappoint us. Our whole world falls apart. Our faith is shattered when the people we put our faith in let us down and the floor falls out from under us. Sometimes we put our faith in ourselves. If I work hard enough, I can get through any storm, any challenge. I just have to hang in there and and push through. And yeah, you can do that sometimes, but you can't survive every storm that way. I mean, last time I checked, nobody's immortal. 
death still comes to everyone. In this passage, Jesus shows them who he is and what he can do. He reveals his power and nature to them as an invitation to say, put your faith in me, not in the storm. I am the author and perfecter of your faith. And I want to be the object of your faith in every season of life, through every storm you face, because I am the one who can lead you through them and can calm any storm. And then the last question. In verse 41, Mark writes, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In ancient cultures, the widespread belief was that the sea was uncontrollable by any power but God. The oceans and the seas were symbols of unstoppable forces and destruction, absolutely untamable. Only God could control them. And Mark tells us that Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Jesus had command over the winds of the storm, and he also had command over the waves. I imagine this moment like the end of the movie, The Matrix, where Neo, who's played by Keanu Reeves, is facing off with the agents in the final scene. And they're all shooting at him in the end, but he doesn't have to dodge their bullets. He simply stops them in their place, and they fall to the ground. And in that moment, everyone around Neo realizes who he is. He's the chosen one. And this is one of those moments for the disciples. When he calms the storm, they realize who he is. And if you keep reading in the next chapter of Mark 5, Jesus goes on to heal a demon-possessed man. And after that, he heals a sick woman and raises a dead girl back to life. And I believe Mark puts these three stories together back to back to back to show us who Jesus is, to show us his power over nature when he calms the storm, his authority over darkness as he heals this demon-possessed man, and then ultimately his power over sickness and death when he heals the woman and raises the young girl back to life. The author of Hebrews says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the power of his word. In other words, <clears throat> the author of Hebrews is saying that Jesus sustains all of creation, the entire universe, with the sound of his voice. When the disciples ask, who is this? They are acknowledging that he is the one, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of the Almighty. Who is this? He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection. He is the way and the truth and the life. Friends, as we go through seasons of uncertainty, as we experience change and the unknown, this experience may feel unsettling. 
just like we're in a storm. You might be asking, God, where are you right now? Don't you care? How can you let this happen? And the answer is this. Jesus is here, and he does care, and he is and always will be in control. Jesus demonstrated his power over the ultimate storm of life on the cross. He defeated sin, death, and destruction. And instead of running away from death and suffering, he entered into it on our behalf. In his love for us, he leaned into the storm on the cross and came out of the empty tomb on the other side. That's the power of the gospel that leads us through every storm. Walking by faith is living every day believing that Jesus is who he says he is. It's believing that everything he said is true. It's knowing and believing each day, every day, that you and I are loved by him, no matter who you are or what you've done, that he does care for you.